On today's episode of Secrets of Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Preeti Kapoor from Jenny Bird. We had such a good discussion all around what it actually means to be profitable on the first purchase, how we actually calculate that. We talked about a bunch of different really foundational things going into 2024 that I think a lot of you are going to get a lot out of. Guys, you are not going to want to miss this one. Guys, I seriously found the best app ever for creative testing. If you haven't used Motion yet, the creative analytics platform used by all of the top e-com D2C brands like Viore, True Classic, The Farmer's Dog, Hexclad, and hundreds more to ship more winning ads, here's why you gotta try it out. Everybody knows that the right creative is the number one lever for success with paid ads. That is legitimately how you make money, but consistently shipping new winning creative you're going to need media buyers and creative teams that are all actually on the same page or rowing in the same direction. As of right now, you're probably spending hours trying to just find, to like go back and forth with Google Sheets and your ad platforms and your tools. And then you're probably spending even more time plugging all of that back into different decks, all for the rest of your team to tell them what actually works. Or maybe you build your own automated solution using like Google Data Studio, Looker, Tableau, but it still can't deliver that tactical creative insights that you actually need to scale. Well, in a perfect world, you can have an elegant way to combine both the visual assets and that performance data so that media buyers can save time and creative teams can get all of the details that they need to make great ads all in one specific place. And that's where motion comes in. And you guys know I've talked about motion a ton on this podcast. I love these guys. In seconds, you can build powerful visual reports using data from your ad accounts, including... TikTok, Facebook, or Meta, and YouTube as well. You can build these incredibly powerful visual reports using all of that data. You can then monitor your performance metrics and see your visual assets in the same platform. There's no need to go back and forth across multiple apps. You're finally going to have media buyers and creative teams all rowing in the same direction, working together to create and scale your next big winner. So if you're ready to learn how to use the best D2C and e-commerce creative tool out there, Motion, please go to motionapp.com and start your free trial. Guys, I am obsessed with this app. If any of you guys have sat down uh, on calls with me, you'll know like it is the source of truth that I go to all of the time. Even better, because they are sponsoring the podcast this month, you get 50% off your first month when you mention uh, myself, Jordan West, or Upgrowth Commerce. So again, go to motionapp.com dot com onto today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand today. These are some of my favorite conversations because I get to talk with another fellow Canadian. And you know, for the majority of people who listen to this, I know you are Americans. I absolutely love Americans, but there's just something about Canadians. You know, we just get each other just a little bit differently. You know, I mean, yes, Pretty is from Toronto, which is kind of our New York City, our big city. That's okay. We still get each other. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Looking forward to diving into some topics today that I think are just incredibly important for us as we enter 2024 and understand like, how do we not go bankrupt this year, guys? Right? That's really the name of the game is like, how do we hang on and continue to have sustainable businesses that are going to continue to grow, not just top line, but the thing that actually matters in the end, right? And that's profitable growth. So we're going to be talking all about that today. But without further ado, Pretty Kapoor from Jenny Bird. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much. I loved that Canadian bonding intro. That was great. You know, my background 
prior to Jenny Bird was my CACPA. I worked at EY, one of the big four in audit. Definitely very different than what I'm doing now. But I always knew that I wanted to work in the retail landscape. And I worked in an apparel business that did not have a ton of D2C experience in the past. That was purely brick and mortar. So Jenny Bird was my first foray into that. But we were an online retailer. We were natively wholesale, actually. So B2B for many, oh, many years was the bread and butter. Yeah. So when I started five and a half years ago, that was really the focus. And the team was really just starting to dabble ad spend and what that looked like and working with... Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Working with a third-party agency at that time to really kind of understand what are our CACs and what ads are workings and things like that. I was mentioning to you at the beginning, you know, coming into this, I feel like even five years ago, there was not a ton of available shared knowledge out there on how to play the ad spend game. Like there was nothing out there. And all that you did here was, hey, if you have the money, spend all that you can in ad spend, grow your top line, acquire as many cost customers as you can and do it at all costs, right? And even to this yes. day- like, Don't worry, yeah. crap will come eventually, but just spend everything there. Exactly. And I think even so many D2C players that you hear of today even- or still speaking about this, right? And one came out, I was listening to a podcast recently, and they were mentioning how they're still not yet profitable. They've grown their revenue exponentially, that's great, but they're still not making profit at the end of the day. And that's all fine and good if you have external investment, right? But what was unique to me coming into Jenny Bird also from coming from an industry where the company was backed, it was public, it was backed by other funds, moving to Jenny Bird, it was and it still is 100%. So yeah. Jenny and Adam yeah. are the sole founders and owners of the business. And each year, the profits that we earn are reinvested back into the business. So there really isn't an option to scale at all costs. We have to have enough money at the end of the day to pay our employees, right? I remember the first budgeting cycle that I had with Jenny. She said to me, she's like, I want to grow the company, but it doesn't matter to me if we can do $100 million in sales if we don't have a profit at the end of the day. You know, and I think that mantra really, really has been embedded into our company ethos and is embedded to every employee that we hire, everyone we work with, all of our partners. Like that mantra is so, so important to us. And I think it's what has helped us grow sustainably and get where we are today. There was this weird thing that entered the sort of like lexicon within direct consumer, right? And I don't know why, like where exactly this came from. And I'm guessing it came from agency world, right? Where it was like, well, hey, you know, you don't have to be profitable on first purchase. Yes. I remember when that came and I was like, why? Yeah. Why? Well, they just want you to continue to spend, right? Like that's how they're making them. And that's fine, but fine and dandy if you have the resources to kind of support that. But, but the resources aren't there. That's the thing. Fair. And nor were they, should they have ever been. Like I've been in e-com investing for quite a while. When I talk investing, like we buy companies, right? We buy full yes. companies. There was no stage ever. Like I remember when all the VC stuff was going on with e-com companies. I'm like, they're not going to get 100x returns. It's just not exactly. possible in this yeah. world. There's no one yeah. else get that. And then there was massive investment from VCs, which just made zero sense to me ever. Yes. And so this whole- It felt like a lot of irresponsible guidance for a lot of these companies, right? That- and well, these founders had no clue what they were doing. No None clue. of them had financial literacy. Number one, yeah. like you go ahead, let's find, you know, 10 direct consumer owners and tell and walk me through your profit and loss and tell me what it means. Yeah. Or your balance. Yeah, sheet. and they like, wouldn't know. None of them know. 
No, 100%. Maybe like one out of 10 would be no, like, yeah, 100%. I can walk you through yeah. this. Like, Honestly, that's what drew me to here is because, yeah, a lot of retail fashion companies you go into, that is the mindset. But Jenny and Adam, like Jenny's so creative and obviously she's a designer, but she has such a strong sense of business and financial acumen, which makes such a great partnership. Yes, we also own businesses, but like guys, at the end of the day, I love sitting in the CMO seat. That is where I love to be. I despise thinking yeah. about my answers. A lot of most marketers are like that though. So that's why you just need to find a good partnership. Yeah. yeah. And that's why that's the other superpower I have is finding partners. I was going to say good partners, yeah. but it's not always good. Finding yeah. Partners at least. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Contribution margin, I think it's huge for us. I mean, you I find that for everyone pretty because I want to make sure we're all talking about the same definition because I found there to be a lot of confusion when we're talking to brands. We do a lot of financial analyses at our agency yes. as well for brands. Yep. Just, we think that it's incredibly important to understand how to scale profitably. Tell me your definition of contribution margin. Just Yeah, and I think it for sure can vary business to business and you can, based on what your variable cost is and what you want to analyze. But for us, where we've landed is our contribution margin is defined as our average order value, less our discounts and sales tax, obviously. So the net revenue that you're left with after that's taken into account, your revenue less your cost of your product. And that includes the cost to produce the product, the cost to ship it into the country that you're selling out of. So your AOV less your product cost leads you to your product margin. And then how we get to contribution margin on our end is then further deducting transaction fees. So when you purchase something on a website, the customer for the most part isn't getting dinged with a fee, but the vendor is. So incorporating that into your calculation, you're picking and packing fees. So what it costs to actually fulfill and ship your product to your end consumer and then most importantly is this cost of advertising, right? On your first purchase. And that's really been game changing for us in determining how heavily we can spend in ad spend and in acquisition. We've obviously always like jewelry is to begin with very great margins. So we've always managed to yes. be first purchase profitable, right? Like that's been a win for us. But then now what we've done even further is really looking into how you can pull the levers on all the different line items of contribution margin to improve that first purchase profit even more. So ways in which you can increase your AOV, okay. right? Like, can you increase your AOV yeah. with adding add-ons to checkout? With jewelry, that's easy for us, right? It's earring backing, it's lobe lifters, it's things that customers really gravitate towards to add to their collection. You know, whether it's really targeting on your ads, high margin rich styles, right? If you're going to invest in ad spend, mm. invest in margin rich products and focusing in on those. Yeah, this is an interesting, I'm just going to stop you there, Pretty. And if, you know, anyone who's ever listened to this podcast knows I'm a great interrupter. If I'm good at one thing, it's all done. People. And this is a really interesting point that you're bringing up right now is what to advertise because a lot yeah. of people come in advertisement is like, I'm going to run these catalogs or whatever. And it's like, yeah, why? Why are you doing that? Do you know, first of all, which products people then have a higher customer lifetime value on when they purchase? Exactly. Right. Because that's another consideration too, right? To pull on that. Exactly. Of like, where are people going to go after they make this purchase? What products are you putting in front of them? Yeah. And that's where retention. And that's the other thing too. It's from a financial lens, not only focusing on your acquisition strategy and what's profitable there, but how do you couple that with your retention strategy as well? Right. Because the more like from a profitability standpoint only, like obviously retention is so important from a brand loyalty, like perspective, right? Like yes. you want to make sure that your customers want to come back, that they're feeling that they're getting the best product for you, that your brand makes them feel good. But from a pure profitability standpoint, right? 
you can get so much more out of that $1 you invest in your acquisition strategy if you make sure your retention strategy is also working well, right? So we have such a great marketing. And that's the other thing that I think has worked for us is that our creative services and our marketing team is all in-house. Hey guys, before we get back to today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about an app that I am absolutely loving and it's the Motion app. It is the most incredible way to see all of your creative insights in one place. Our team at Upgrowth is using it absolutely religiously on every single account. The brands that we own, we're using it on every single account. It's an absolute no-brainer. I know a lot of you have actually reached out to me asking if I can demo it for you. And maybe I should make a Loom video for you guys or something like that. But I highly recommend going over to motionapp.com. Mention Jordan West or mention Upgrowth Commerce and you're going to get 50% off of your first month. And that's after the free trial. Again, that's motionapp.com. Go check it out, guys. And they are intuitive marketers. They really, truly know what our customers want and what they will come back and repeat. You can couple on that with like data from Shopify, data with Lifetimely, all those like that you can put on, right? To see what your your people are repeat purchasing. But they have a real knack of knowing what's going to work. And they're creating such high quality ad content that is just really really working for us because they know the customer so well. And it's so tied into our brand positioning. It's not like a third party is creating these assets for us. Like it's all done internally. So there's just a very cohesive messaging across the whole bit. Big shout out to Lifetime as well. I don't actually talk about them too often on this podcast, but man, oh man, if you are looking at, if you're obsessive with your NCAC, that is the tool to use, right? Especially looking at your customer lifetime value, like seeing that there's this great NCAC report that moves the bar to where you're profitable. And I love seeing that bar when it's on the left-hand side, right at the left, you're like, awesome, I'm profitable. I'm it's like that RRSP optimizer. You know that little thing? I don't know if you've ever seen it when you're doing your tax return. You can like move the bar to see how much more money you need to get to maximize your refund. That's what it oh, combines. No. Yeah. 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 Next time you're doing your tax return, use that I run everything through trusts and corps and all that kind of okay. stuff. I, I don't take advantance of any of that stuff. Yeah, but. you're good to go. You know what's up. <laughs> Oh, too much so do I know what's up with all that. Yeah. Let's <laughs> be in trouble. I want to touch on your marketing team being in-house. Interesting. Yes. When did you guys decide? I'd love to know the why behind that. Well, yeah. I kind of talked a little bit about the why behind that. But also when yeah. you decided, when that actually made sense from the finance sort of perspective of bringing yeah. all of these people in-house. And what does that team look like on the marketing side? Yeah, for sure. That, to be honest, has been from day one. I mean, we outsource oh, PR. We do outsource PR. But everything has been from day one. And I would say like, even before I started, that was really a Jenny decision because it's something she enjoys. She also has marketing in her background, right? So it's Mm -hmm. something she's enjoyed, she's good at. And I think she really built the brand on, and I think it was just really out of interest to begin with. And she wanted to have ownership over it. But now as we've grown financially, it makes way more sense, right? You have oversight in all the costs like we do product photography and shoot at our studio here. We're doing it in-house. We have the samples in one room and we're able to shoot them same day, next day. So it really makes sense from a cost perspective as well now as we've grown. Our team right now, we have two associate art directors. Jenny herself is acting as the creative. She is our creative director. So it's her two associate art directors. We have several three to four graphic designers. And then our VP of brand marketing and e-commerce, she holds a whole lot of stuff. She manages brand marketing as well as being, you know, key revenue officer in managing our e-commerce channel as well. Wow. Wow. That's quite a team, quite an in-house team to have. Comparatively, it's interesting because we work on, so most people 
know, I own a bunch of brands and then also the agency as well. And it's really interesting seeing the kind, the size of brands and when it makes sense and not to the get out of agency world, right? And I just don't think that it's one size fits all. I absolutely it's not. don't. I think it's founder led, right? 100%. Especially depending, I'm thinking about the brand that my wife runs, a little unlively, and she wants control over everything, right? Like yeah. that is the type of person that she is in the best possible way is that like, you know, yes. brand is so ridiculously important. I want to be in charge of all of that. Where some brands are okay. Some brands are okay One, being like, well, I this is more of a lifestyle thing for me. So let's hire agencies, you know? No, it's so brand specific. You're so right. It's different, but no dissimilar than like 3PL, right? Like we were joking about that the other day. We were saying like, oh, we could run a 3PL business, but no interest. I don't think Jenny has any interest in doing that. Like farm that out, do that third party. Whereas creative services, and I'm sure other founders feel that way about creative services, but that was never her angle. That's always been her joy and interest. And it's really worked for us. That's great. Pretty, what's one thing that you used to believe you just don't believe anymore? Ooh, that's a good one. I used to believe that making decisions with gut was not the right way to go. And Jenny's been a pioneer in this, but I've really learned the importance of pairing gut and intuition with logical reasoning and decision making. Are you even able to hold a CPA and hold those same beliefs together? Well, and this is the thing, like you're not taught to do that, right? You're not taught to do that at all. But honestly, so many decisions that we have made, like you base it with the facts and the logic, but there is such an element to just true intuition. And as I said, that works in our marketing and it has worked in our general business decisions as well. And so, yeah, something that I really did not believe in before, but I hold true to every decision that I make and that we all make as a company together. Like we always integrate that into our discussions and just sit with them right before jumping to a conclusion it's like okay like how do i really feel about this like does this yeah. feel like the right next move for us yeah yeah totally that's really interesting too thinking about it from like the i'm not sure if you're familiar with the eos framework but the visionary integrator sort of idea can you imagine a visionary who made all of their decisions based on data that's no, not visionary. No way. not happening exactly you wouldn't do it and yet Imagine if you did not have that finance seat talking back or that integrator talking back and like, well, there's zero data that's going to line up with that. Like, well, I have the vision, right? But yeah. like, you have to have all of these things playing together. I love that. What a great learning. Yeah, 100%. And it, it not only impacts me in the business life, but also my personal life. I feel like it's been very transferable. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I love that. That's great growth. It's funny because for me, it would actually be growing into the other way of making sure I use data more. Yeah, fair. And you know what? Our VP of marketing, Laura, her and I, we both started around the same time. I think she would say the same as what you're saying. She's learned to be a bit more data centric from me. And I've learned to be a bit more intuitive and gut check with her and Laura on the other side. Or her and Jenny, yeah, man. Yeah, that's great. What's one thing in directing consumer land right now that you see that people are saying that's just wrong? Ooh, that's just wrong. Well, I'm gonna need a second to think about that. Or even that you disagree with. It's okay if you disagree. If you just disagree with it, it doesn't have to make this big statement of saying no. This is wrong. Yeah, that you know, I disagree with the movement towards AI in certain portions of the customer experience. Mm -hmm. We really pride ourselves on a high touch customer experience that when people come to shop with us and they have any questions, they feel like they're going to a high end retailer and getting that first in class experience. That's part of our brand presence, right? And brand positioning. And I think I see a lot of companies really focusing on efficiencies and automation and 
how do we scale and save costs through AI? And a lot of obviously customer care and customer chats, they're all robotic. And personally for our brand, that is something that is just will not work because we haven't trained our customers to respond that way. They're expecting that personalized response. So for us, that's just something that I would say, no, thank you too. Doesn't make sense for us. That's super, super interesting when it comes to that. Anecdotally, I have found over the years that the less scalable things that we do in our companies, the more we scale. And it's just like podcasting. Guys, you think this is scalable? I mean, yeah, like a few thousand of you listen to this. That's great. To me, that's not scale. But yet the amount of deals that I've done in this space, the amount of clients that we get because of doing this and having conversation, it's astronomical. One of my favorite podcasts, they started to do AI episodes and I was like, screw this. I'm not listening to this anymore. No, (laughs) no, I just don't. Even the product photography, like, there are some sites that are, you can tell now, right, that the on-figure photography is AI generated. And it just, to me as a consumer, like that doesn't call to me. Like I want to see how it's moving, how it's looking on a real person video. I love all of that, right? So yeah, you've got to pick and choose your poison, I think. And again, not scale at all costs, but not try to grow at all costs to increase your profit. Like it's a fine balancing act. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Remember, everybody, I like to bring this up every once in a while. Remember what uncontrolled growth is called cancer, right? Like, yes. You don't have to grow for the sake of growing, right? Yes. Like that's cancerous kind of growth. So I'm pretty, I want to ask you the question that I ask everyone who comes on this podcast. What is your secret to scaling? Secret to scaling. I would say, honestly, just slow and thoughtful growth and making sure that when you're introducing your product offering, whether it's a service or a packaged good, that before doing so, you really ensure that you can be first purchase profitable. I think that's just key. Yeah. From day one. Day like, one. It's not in two years and three years. Like if you want to do this, make sure that you got that under wraps with all your variable costs in place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I do of have three course. more questions. I hope that you're ready. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. All Go right. for it. Okay. First question for you, a favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Ooh. Right now, it's got to be the cohort analysis on Shopify. That's been game changing oh, for us. that one better than Lifetimely's cohort analysis? Yeah, we oh. do. We're having some issues. With, we've been playing around with Lifetimely with our product cost to get it showing us what we want to see. But right now, just from like a high level viewpoint, it's been helping us really forecast our overall retention by like months in which we're purchasing it. Cool. That's great. That is really great. It's funny because I just have ignored that cohort analysis because I'm like, eh, I'm sure it's not as good as some of the other tools that we're using. Fair. Honestly, we tried to do the cohort analysis manually, like in an Excel workbook before Shopify launched it and it was a nightmare. So being able to just click on the button and see the waterfall chart has been game changing for me for forecasting and modeling. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's great. Second question for your favorite podcast or audiobook are you listening to right now? Ooh, audio. This may not be popular opinion, but I'm actually listening to the Paris Hilton audiobook right now. And it's shockingly good. I have to tell you, it's shockingly good. That's a fun December listen. It's a fun December. That's the thing. I just needed to shut my brain off a bit, to be honest with you, and listen to that. But regularly, I love to listen to how it's made. I think that's a great, or how it was built, sorry. I think that's a great. how How I built this? How I built this, yeah. I was there with you. I already knew. I was like, yeah, how it's made. Eh, probably not. Yeah. That's the one on TV. My husband watched that. <laughs> yeah. I show my kids those videos all the time. They're like, yeah. How do they make crayons? I'm like, oh, let me show yeah. you. Yeah. Let me show you. I got a tool for that, but. <laughs> Last question for you. You just found out you have a year to live. What changes? Oh, what changes? I would honestly and truly, I'd probably leave my house, leave my job and just go travel around the world and see all the different places that I've never got to see and just be 
fully, fully available with my husband and family 24 seven, get all those hours back. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Pretty. Thank you so much for coming. Thank on. you. Where can people connect with you and find out a little bit more about Jenny Bird? Yeah, for sure. You can find us on Instagram. Our profile tag is underscore Jenny Bird. And then you can find me on LinkedIn, just Preeti Kapoor. If you search me, you'll be able to find myself and all of our employees under our company page. And then you can shop us at jenny-bird.com. Awesome. Guys, I'm going to make sure that all of this is in the show notes like normal. So anything that we talked about today will be down in the show notes. If you're interested in connecting or any of that kind of stuff, check out the links down below. Pretty, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. That was great. Thank you so much. Hey guys, just wanted to say thanks again so much for listening to the podcast. If I could ask one favor of you, it would be to share this with your other e-commerce store owner friends. Uh, we want uh, everyone in the e-com space uh, to be listening to this podcast and lots of you guys already are. And we really, really appreciate that. One last thing before you go as well is we are offering to our podcast listeners a free e-commerce growth plan where we go from strategy to sale with your brand in this e-commerce growth plan. So feel free to go to www.upgrowthcommerce.com slash grow and apply for a free growth plan today. Thank you all again so much for listening.